Wow, you guys are more awake than I thought. Uh, would you join with me as I read Psalm 19? Sorry. Stand and join with me as I read Psalm 19. Left out an important word there. Psalm 19. For the director of music, the Psalm of David. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day they pour forth speech. Night after night they reveal knowledge. They have no speech. They use no words. No sound is heard from them. Yet their voice goes out into all the earth. Their words to the ends of the world. In the heavens God has pitched a tent for the sun. It is like a bridegroom coming out of his chamber. Like a champion rejoicing to run his course. It rises at one end of the heaven and makes its circuit to the other. Nothing is deprived of its warmth. The law of the Lord is perfect, refreshing the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The decrees of the Lord are firm, and all of them are righteous. They are more precious than gold. They are more pure than gold. They are sweeter than honey, than honey from the honeycomb. By them your servant is warned. In keeping them there is great reward. But who can discern their own errors? Forgive my hidden faults. Keep your servant also from willful sins. May they not rule over me. Then I will be blameless, innocent of great transgression. May these words of my mouth and this meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, Lord, my rock, my redeemer. Amen.
start this morning with this ancient song. Let's sing this together. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Sing Amen together. Amen. Amen. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. wonder at the mention of you 
Community Church, will you greet everybody around you before you take a seat this morning? Say hello, ask if they've had coffee yet, etc. Well, good morning again, La Jolla Community Church. I hope you didn't miss me too much. My name is Ryan Sylvia. I am the youth director here at La Jolla Community Church, and I just wanted to welcome you on this wonderful Sunday morning. We all doing good today? Good, good, good. Everybody have a good Fourth of July? Woo! It was good. It was good. Well, it, uh, you should have been handed a little bulletin as you walked in the front door. If you want to open that up on the very front page, there's a little spot you can fill out some information. If you're new here, we would love to get to know a little bit more about you. Uh, if you've been here for a little while, there's a perfect opportunity for you to fill out a little prayer request. We are a church that is rooted in prayer, and we want to join with you in that prayer. Whether it is a praise report because something amazing happened this week, or it is a, a prayer request because you need something this week, whatever it is, please fill out that prayer request. There is no prayer too big, no prayer too small. We have a dedicated team that goes over each and every single one of these, so please feel free to fill that out. We want to join with you. We are a family here that believes in power prayer. So please take a moment to fill that out. You've got a chance right now. Um, and then during the offering, the ushers will come by with a little basket. Feel free to tear that little guy off. It comes right off. Dump that right in the offering basket. We'd be happy to pray for you. A couple of other things that we have going on here at La Jolla Community Church. I heard on Monday, July 15th, we are going to have a zombie apocalypse breakout here on campus. Woo! It's going to be scary. We're going to have a lot of fun. So um, what that means is if you know of, have heard of, have heard a mention of a student who is between grades going into sixth grade or going into 12th grade, please send them on campus Monday, July 15th, 7.30 p.m. We are going to be using the entire campus for a giant game of humans versus zombies. Don't worry, it's not, they're not actually getting sick. Um, it is just a game of tag. It's really, really fun, though. It gives the kids an opportunity just to run around on campus. Uh, when I first started youth ministry, um, a, a very, very wise pastor came up to me, and he talked to me, and he mentioned never to neglect the games. And at first I thought he was being silly. He's one of those guys that just had all kinds of energy, was running all over the place. He, but, but he was the, the pastor that all of the students looked up to. And it wasn't because he was the most wise person in the world. It wasn't because he gave these eloquent messages. It was because he spent time living in their world. It was because he was willing to step down from the pulpit and exist in the world that, that they live in. I could stand on stage and give the most amazing messages. I could be the next Billy Graham. 90% of our students wouldn't care. 90% of them probably have no idea who Billy Graham is, right? So if I was to do something like that, they wouldn't care. But these events, these, these are opportunities for us as leaders to just exist in their world, to, to sit down and play a game of tag and say, hey, you know what, I, I do this not because of some, you know, glorified ego boost that I get from this, though that is kind of nice. Um, we, we do this because we want to have fun. We do this because we want to engage where you are because that's exactly what Jesus did. These, these games that we play, it's not just to run around and go crazy, and that is part of it, but it's a ministry opportunity. It's an opportunity for us to exist in their lives and, and to really show them the love of Jesus and not just say it. 
So if you know a student who has the time available, who's on summer break right now and would love to come hang out with us, this is a perfect time for us to just engage in our community. It's a perfect time for us to engage in our youth. If you're available that night and would like to help us out, I could use a ton of volunteers coming in and just watching the kids. We've got a giant street right here that we don't want them running off into, you know, big campus. So it, I'm not asking for people who want to run around and scream. We're just looking for volunteers who just want to show up and show the kids that you care. Um, so Monday, July 15th, zombie apocalypse. Uh, there will be ice cream beforehand, so don't worry. It'll be lots of energy that they'll be able to get out. Um, but please send, send your children. Come join us. Hang out with us. It's going to be a great, great evening. Thank you very much. Jesus is coming.
Thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, what a joy it is to worship God together, isn't it? Uh, where in our culture do you sing anymore? And when you do sing, are you singing things that lift you up <laughs> and, and, and encourage you? Uh, typically not, unless you're at the recent, I guess, Paul McCartney concert where everybody knew every song from start to finish for two hours. Uh, <clears throat> but then you have to pay 500 bucks to show up. So this is a pretty good deal, right? You get to come and, and be led by these great musicians and... Uh, you know, Haley and Tim and Scott, uh, Delighted Jonathan is with us. Jonathan is an engineering student at UCSD and leads worship for uh, uh, the campus ministry, formerly known as Campus Crusade for Christ, now it's typically called Crew. I think the Campus Crusade thing, it sounded like too much like Campus Jihad or something. So they moved the crusade off and just call it, yeah, just call it Crew. Well, we're starting a new series this uh, weekend, and all summer long, we're going to be looking at wisdom, Old Testament, New Testament. And we're calling it wisdom in bite-sized pieces because wisdom is a big, big topic. It's more than knowledge. Uh, it's less than perfection. So how do you get your head, your heart, uh, your mouth, your life around wisdom? Well, bite-sized pieces is the way we're going to come at it. And so what is wisdom and why do we need it? That's the big question I want to ask you today. What is wisdom? <clears throat> if you had to define it, how would you define it? And then why do we need it? Isn't knowledge enough? Isn't good intentions adequate? Uh, isn't a consultant you can call up and ask the answer? It was said that Einstein never knew his phone number because he said, why? I can look it up. What is wisdom and why do we need it? Your wife says you never buy her flowers. Is that true? Well, to be honest, I never knew she sold flowers. Let me try that again. <laughs> so wisdom is knowing the right thing to do and doing it right. Uh, <clears throat> knowing the, the right thing to do and doing it right. Again, we're not talking about perfection. We're talking about being so aware of what's happening around you in your world uh, that you know how to respond appropriately. Uh, but how do you know the right thing to do and then doing it right? How do you know? None of us can know enough. Uh, we live in a time when there's so much information coming over the threshold of your life. Every single day, you're bombarded with content, uh, visual content, uh, you know, oral content, oral content, people speaking to you, speaking at you, trying to keep up with social media, all the things that we know about. Uh, and how do you know the right thing to do and, 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 and in doing it right? Uh, you might like the, the policies of the government, but you don't like the people enforcing the policies. You, you might like this, you might like that, but how do you then navigate your way through a culture that is in upheaval? How do you deal with the, the change in the culture that many of you experience is, hey, somebody stole my culture. Uh, somebody stole the, the life that I grew up in the midst of. And, and you can be from any nation around the, and the, around the world, and right now you might be asking that question. What happened to the place I grew up in? What happened to the things that, that I could count on? And so wisdom wants to know, what is the right thing to do, and how do we do it right? And so wisdom starts with God. Wisdom starts with God because God possesses perfect wisdom. Let that sink in. God possesses perfect wisdom. Well, the, the, the world is such a mess, how could God possibly be perfectly wise if he allows us to go on? Well, that's what we want to explore Wisdom starts with God because God possesses perfect wisdom, not in some abstract conceptual form, but he actually right now as we sit here and God says that where people gather together in his name, he's there among them. So the God who is among us right now possesses perfect 
wisdom. Whatever situation you're dealing with, he has a perfect bead on it. He has a perfect understanding on it. He has a perfect perspective on it. He has a perfect solution for you. Not to mean that everything will turn out perfectly in your life, but God is not up in heaven going, oh no, oh no, now what? I thought we had it under control, now what? Wisdom starts with God. And so the Proverbs writer, you know, we won't be, there's not a slide on this, but let me just tell you, the Proverbs writer says this in Proverbs 9.10, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Now, some of you might say, fear of God, that sounds so negative. Yes, it is. Fear is a negative thing for us. Why? Because we live in a fallen world, so all fear is negative. But if God is the one who possesses perfect wisdom, the fear of God must be something different than the kind of fear that we experience. If, God's, if fear of God is a step into holiness, again, not perfection, but into the presence of holy God, that's a different experience than the fear that causes humiliation in all of us. In this world, fear is always... Uh, the thing that makes you think, I'm going to be humiliated. I'm going to be afraid. I, I would get to the top of the high dive, and I'm eight years old, and all the bigger kids were jumping off, and now that I'm up here, it's a really long way down. <clears throat> and so when the four-year-old girl behind you goes, would you jump or get off the board? <clears throat> what do you do as that eight-year-old boy? Oh, I think I forgot my wallet. I need to get off the board right now. I'm gonna, I'll be right back. <clears throat> what do you just jump? And over the 15, 20 minutes that you're falling, looking at your future dissolving in the water below, you think, why did I ever think this was okay? Until you pop out of the water and you're a hero. Everybody's laughing, cheering, and you're going, yeah. Come on, kid, jump off, right? Uh, but fear for us is not the kind of thing we say, got to have more of that. Love that fear feeling. Fear undoes us. But the fear of God brings us together. Uh, gets over the stuff that will take us apart. And that's why David in Psalm 36 can say this. I have a message from God in my heart concerning the sinfulness of the wicked. There is no fear of God before their eyes. And then Paul picks this up and quotes it in Romans 3. He says, the problem with, with the world, we have no fear of God. Not the cringing, oh, don't hit me fear. But the I don't know what to expect. I've never been in the presence of perfection. And when we have fear of God. It puts us in a place to receive this incredibly transforming love of God, which doesn't go together in our world. It comes together in the Lord. So I ask you the question as we jump into this series, what do you fear right now? What do you fear above all else right now? Maybe last week you didn't, maybe next week you won't, but right now as you're thinking about your life, what do you fear? And then who do you fear? Who do you not want to disappoint in your life right now? It's amazing. I used to think that uh, junior high kids uh, outgrew um, their insecurity and their need to submit to peer pressure, just like they might outgrow their need to play zombie apocalypse. And I noticed that every age and stage of my life, I have not seemed to be, in, I'd be able to overcome the freedom of peer pressure, the social pressure to conform. Do you notice that about you? that we still want to live up to the expectations of either that internal critical voice that, that we've, we've internalized growing up or the, the social peer pressure around us. Well, I could never say that. My friends might, might not like me. They might not approve of that. I was at a, uh, a gathering, a birthday party uh, last night, and there's all these very accomplished people and great, wonderful people, and, and some are followers of Jesus, some aren't. Mainly, I, I think they're just people would say, I don't, I don't know that I really need Jesus in my life. <clears throat> and I thought... I, I, as, as powerful and accomplished and, and wonderful as these people uh, present, 
I wonder, who are they afraid of? Who are they trying to live up to expectations uh, uh, that they feel accountable to? And then let me ask, I'll ask you, ask you the last question. You know, not just what do you fear but, and who do you fear, but why do you fear? Why do you fear? Interestingly enough, the Bible tells us, uh, Jesus said, perfect love casts out fear. John recorded it in one of his letters, but you know, this is Jesus' message was. Perfect love casts out fear. Don't, don't fear people who can bum you out socially. Fear the God who, who can send you to hell. You go, wait, wait, you just said love, and then you just said fear, and then you just said send me to hell. That sounds like the God I don't like. Right. The God you don't like is saying you don't need to go there. So why are you afraid of everything else that's lesser, that sets you up to make bad decisions? There is a way which seems right to a person, the end of which is death, is the way Proverbs 14 says it. So with that, let's move on. The wisdom of God is this. God always chooses the best goals and the best means to those goals. That might be an odd way of saying it. God always chooses the best goals and the best means to those goals. Yeah, but the world isn't perfect. So if something went wrong, yes, it did. We, may, we make choices every day. God, God, God chooses the best goals. This is my will for you, that you would know me and my love and be transformed by it. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and your neighbors yourself. That's a perfect goal. And if we pay attention to God, he has the perfect means for us to realize that goal. Progress now, perfection later, but someday we will be like him in all of his perfection. Different, but perfect in him. That word perfect is telios, completed. God always chooses the best goals and the best means to those goals. So what's the gap? The gap is us. The gap does not originate with God. If God was only different, it would be better. Mm -mm. If we were only different, it would be better. So, God is pleased when we choose wisdom. That's the story of Solomon, right? Solomon, what would you like? You can have anything you want. Anything you want. And Solomon chose wisdom, and God said, that's right. That's good. And because you chose wisdom, I'll give you everything else. Jesus said it this way. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and everything else will follow. And so you see in Jeremiah, <clears throat> Jeremiah chapter 9, verses 23 to 24. This is what the Lord says. Let not the wise boast of their wisdom. Now, in this sense, uh, Sophia, uh, wise, can also be uh, related to knowledge. It's not the wisdom I'm going to be talking about today. <clears throat> it's bigger and better than this. But he's saying, let not the, quote, wise, the people who think they've checked off all the boxes, they know stuff, and they're connected. Let not the wise boast of their wisdom, or the strong boast of their strength, or the rich boast of their riches. But let the one who boasts boast about this. This word boast, we talked about this word last week. It's the word hallel. Hallelujah. Da, da, you know, right? We sing praises to God through the word hallelujah. It's, we used it last week in its other translation, the word to, uh, to, it says extol, extol the Lord, which is sing hallelujah to the Lord. It means to literally be all out of control, going, yes, awesome, fantastic. Where to exalt means to lift up, wow, lift it up out of everything else and say, this is what I want to focus on. And the next word was praise. And that was about falling on your knees. But the word hallel is always about being just absolutely yelling out, this is the greatest thing. This is the greatest one. This is the best place to live. And he's saying, don't do that for you and your wisdom. Don't do that for you and your strength. Don't do that for you and your wealth. Are you kidding me? That's a misapplication of hallel. 
<clears throat> and when it's misapplied, it's called boasting. And another awesome thing about me you should know. My new book, Humility and How I Achieved It. You're going to love it. It's going to be a bestseller. <laughs> so this is what Jeremiah is saying. Uh, let's right-size our understanding of how the world works. Because he says, <clears throat> here's what it's all about, that they have the understanding to know me, says God. That they have the understanding to know me. That I am the Lord who exercises kindness, justice, and righteousness on earth. For in these I delight, declares the Lord. You remember Micah 6, 8. Uh, he has told you, O man, what is good, you know, uh, to, to do justice, to love kindness, to walk humbly with your God. So God himself says through the prophet Jeremiah, I'm the one who exercises kindness, justice, and righteousness. Well, why would we fear you? Because I'm holy and you're not. And I'm going to bridge that gap if you turn to me, declares the Lord. So God himself sets the standard. So growing in wisdom requires us to learn how to practice his kindness, justice, and righteousness. Why? Because he delights in these. And if God delights in these things, who do you think else is going to delight in these things? You. Us. <clears throat> if we delight in the things that delight God, do you think that's the ultimate expression of delight? I mean, it's way better than what, what's your favorite ice cream. I'm sure that's included in there somewhere. Uh, if somebody says to you, ever ask you, hey, uh, did dogs go to heaven? A guy literally, uh, in deep grief, a few weeks ago, sat there and with tears in his eyes said, hey, I got a big theological question. And I said, okay, what is it? He said, my dog just died. Did dogs go to heaven? Uh, you know, <clears throat> how do you handle that? It's a holy moment. It's a grief and loss moment. And all you can answer that is to say this, tell me your dog's name. Because everything God loves will be in heaven. Everything God loves will be in heaven. That's that new age <laughs> fractured flicker theology or philosophy. That's just simply saying what delights God is what will delight us. So where does this take us? Uh, five things. First is capacity. Appropriating God's wisdom into our life through his Holy Spirit within us gives us capacity, gives us capacity to grow into the best version of us. You know if you've, if you've been walking with Jesus for a while, you're a better version of you than you were when you started. People would say, gosh, you have the same sense of humor, you have the same this, you're like, you're like I always knew you, but there's something else going on in you. What is it? There's something about you. It's even more you, and it's a better version of you. What is it? You go, it's Jesus. No, 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 I don't want to talk about religious stuff. I mean, but what about you? you go, no, it's, it's Jesus. I'm telling you. It's, I really think you're the, the, the man I want to marry. You're, you're the girl I want to spend the rest of my life with because you're awesome. She goes, I think what you're seeing in me is Christ. What? Yeah. I'm learning how to love authentically. I'm learning how to live courageously. I'm learning how to, you know, take one step at a time by faith in God, trusting in him as I go. That is incredibly attractive. That gives us more capacity. That's why a little child, uh, our grandson is visiting us with us right now, 16 months old. Um, everybody in our house is exhausted right now. <clears throat> Just trying to keep up with them. But we're delighted too, right? This little guy's capacity. He's so full of love right now. Uh, when he smiles, it lights up the room. Can you imagine as he grows and he continues to take in all that love from his mom and his dad, his capacity to receive and give love is going to expand. This is the beauty. This is the beauty. Our capacity grows. That's why people in very adverse situations in Christ can say, it was horrible, but I've never felt closer to God. Well, you had no other options. No, 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 I don't mean just like I was stuck, so I had to think of God as my 
you know, substitute for my other really good stuff. All of a sudden, I realized nothing is a substitute for him. This is the sweet spot. And now that I'm out of that situation, I don't want to forget it. I don't want to lose it. I don't want to get distracted from it. I'm the best version. And I think this is the version that he wants me to be so I can call the best out of others in his name. Capacity. Greater wisdom increases our capacity to work together for the gospel as a people. People want to see the gospel in us before they will receive the gospel from us. The people I bump into are not against the gospel of Jesus. They've just never seen anybody embody it in a way that's convincing to them. I'm not talking about being a perfect person again. Perfection is not on the table today. A wise person, though, is somehow embracing the gospel in a way that they're living into it, in a way that people say, tell me more about that. And this is true in every friendship, marriage, family, and church. Is it true for you right now, or could you benefit from greater capacity? Maybe your capacity is to confess sin right now. That's, that's, you need more capacity to just acknowledge where you are. Maybe it's to confess your need uh, for whatever in your life. Maybe it's, it's your capacity to forgive. Maybe it's your capacity to, to receive content. You're sort of embarrassed to receive because I should know this by now. Second thing is character. Embracing wisdom shapes our character. It forms who we are in terms of our values and our capacity to not only em embrace values. I believe in this, I believe in that. I want to be this, I want to be that, but to actually live into it. Why? Because uh, our, our, our character is grounded then in truth, honesty, vulnerability, and love. That's what wisdom brings to us, an awareness of these things, a hunger for these things. Wisdom builds trust, unity, moral authority, releases disciplined creativity in us. That's what wisdom does. That's why a product developer, uh, Johnny Ivey, for the last <clears throat> 23 years has been the genius designer for, for every, every Apple phone or product you've ever held in your hand. That's Johnny Ivey, a guy from Great Britain. He's leaving uh, Microsoft, and they're really nervous. What's going to happen? Because the design is so intuitive. Have you noticed that about their products? There's a wisdom in their products, but then there's a lot of creative discipline that gets them to market. Because so, the, all they're asking is, how, how do people actually live? How do people actually use the product? And so wisdom becomes inherent to who we are, not just knowledge. The guy that's taking over from him is a genius engineer with an MBA from some fancy business school. Everybody's nervous because he's not Johnny Ivey. He's not a creative type. And will he be wise enough to say, I need creative people around me? Third thing, credibility. Credibility accrues to us when people believe we can be counted on to uphold God's commands with love, grace, courage, and humility. Credibility is not a given. Credibility is always earned. Can I trust you or can I not trust you? We trust everybody until they lie to us. Until they misrepresent something to us. Then we go, gosh, can I, still, can I trust this person? And we have to wait a while and see behavior tells us if people are credible or not. So when Christians or churches act unwisely, what happens? We lose credibility. Whether it's, whether it's a priest or a pastor doing something horrible morally, whether it's a church doing something that confuses the community, they go, I, I don't know. I don't see that. If that's Jesus, I don't want it. Fourth, challenges. Wisdom is demonstrated in how we face challenges, how we handle problems, how we overcome life's inevitable, inevitable setbacks. When people can count on us doing the right thing, they trust us. Why? Because they've watched us deal with challenges. People are usually more observant of how we handle challenges than how we handle successes. 
I was talking to a guy last night. <clears throat> I've known him for a long time. I said, hey, are you still working in your same company? He goes, I sold it. Oh, my gosh. I'm thinking, this, I said, well, that's great and everything, but you're, you're like in your mid-50s. That's a lot of money to just spend for the rest of your life. He said, yeah, yeah. I figured out that there's a whole lot more that I'm supposed to do. And so he's very much involved in things that would raise up other young entrepreneurs. He says, you know, I, basically, I love the challenges, and I want to help other people embrace those challenges. What's the challenge of sitting back with a pile of money and just entertaining yourself? There's zero. Life is over. You might not know it, but life is over when you avoid challenges. When you wire your life so that you can avoid challenges, you stop living. Why? Because you stop growing. Why do you stop growing? You stop trusting in God because you no longer fear him. That is to say, Lord, you've given this to me. What am I supposed to do with it? I would hate to get to the end of my life and realize I wasted it. That's part of the fear of God. So does this describe you? Does it describe your marriage, your family, your friendships, your church, your generosity? Are you stepping up to the challenges and say, Lord, where are you in this and what do you want me to learn in this? What do you want me to do in this? What do you want to do in me and through me through this? Because challenges reveal who we are. Therefore, we need to make, the last thing, commitments. Three simple commitments. Fearing God above all else. Fearing God above all else. The phrase fear the Lord is, is given to us 300 times in the Old and New Testament. It's not a threat, though it is a warning. It's a call. This is where life is, come in this direction. Fearing God above all else. And then the second thing, seeking God before all else. Seeking God. Lord, where are you in this? What do you want to do in this? It doesn't discount the things you do day to day, all day long. Those might feel pretty mundane. But you seek him in the midst of everything. And then finally, loving God and loving people always. These are the three big commitments we make from the, from the Old Testament through the New Testament. That's what we constantly run into. Fearing God, seeking God, and loving God. And so in his wisdom, what did God do? He sent us Jesus. Jesus is what God gives us to proclaim, teach, and demonstrate his kingdom with godly integrity. Does this sound wise to you or foolish to you? Well, we're in church, so I guess it sounds wise. You're supposed to say that in church. No, this is what we should say in the marketplace. This is what we should say everywhere we go, uh, anytime we go. You might not say it out loud because it might be socially awkward for people to say, what are you, I don't, I don't know you, now you're being weird to me. But if in, if in us, this is what we really believe, that the wisdom of God is Jesus and proclaiming his kingdom with godly integrity. Again, like, like I mentioned Young Life last week, we might have to earn the right to be heard before somebody says, well, so what, what's up with you? And as you tell that story, they say, that makes so much sense. I've been watching you. Versus you led me this whole Jesus thing, and I took that as a judgment or a holier than thou or a put down. So I, don't tr I didn't trust you for a long time, but I get what you're, you're, you're about. And so we see in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 18 to 31, Paul now writing to these people in Corinth, the hotbed of smarts. If Athens was where all the philosophers hung out, Corinth was where all the worldly cool kids hung out. Uh, this could be called First Californians. Uh, really, when you look at what was going on in Corinth, it's, it's all about California <clears throat> at the same time. And so Paul says this, For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, the intelligence of the intelligent I will frustrate. Uh, Paul is quoting Isaiah, but, but check out the context. If you go to, turn to Isaiah... 
29 and see the full context of this. This is what Paul is saying. Because this is what Isaiah said on behalf of God. God speaking through the prophet Isaiah says this. Therefore, once more, I will astound these people with wonder upon wonder. I have a better version of life than what they're, pers- they're, they're, what they're uh, presently attaching themselves to. I want to give them wonder upon wonder, and they don't seem to be interested. And so what are they going to get? Exile upon exile. Heartbreak upon heartbreak. Disappointment upon disappointment. Disaster upon disaster. So then he goes on to say, the wisdom of the wise will perish. The intelligence of the intelligent will vanish. See, God's wisdom improves on ours. That's what Paul's saying. So where's the wise person, he asks? Where's the teacher of the law? Where's the philosopher of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God the world through its wisdom did not know him... God was pleased through the foolishness of what was preached to save those who believe. Jews demand signs and Greeks look for wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified. This is a Jew speaking to Jews and Gentiles, right? He's speaking to a mixed group of Jews and and Gentiles. A stumbling block to Jews. That that word is scandalon. It's a scandal. There is, you know, the Lord is one. Adonai Echad. The Lord is one. Right. One God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Foolishness to Gentiles, but to those whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom, and the weakness of God is stronger than human strength, so that no one may boast before him. Nobody will come into his presence saying, hallelujah, it's me. Literally. Boast, hallelujah, right? It's, it's the hallel, the derivative of the word hallel. What we want to do is come into his presence and say, hallelujah, it's you. Thank you for loving me. It's because of him that you are in Christ Jesus, Paul says, who has become for us the wisdom from God. That is our righteousness, our holiness, our redemption. Therefore, as it is written, let the one who says hallelujah say hallelujah in the Lord. The beginning, middle, and end of wisdom. And so let me just define wisdom one more time. Uh, let's hit one more slide. Jesus is Lord. Hallelujah. Jesus is Lord. Make that your boast. Jesus is Lord. Make that the foundation on which you build your life. Jesus is Lord. Make that the filter through which you process everything you read or hear or think. Well, if Jesus is Lord, what does that mean? Oh, wow, because Jesus is Lord, this wonderful thing I'm hearing, he gets credit for that. Because without him being Lord, that wouldn't be possible. Or, oh my gosh, that's horrible. But because Jesus is Lord, he can address that. You see where this goes? See, apart from him, we can do nothing that glorifies God. In him, we will, in a sense, naturally, of course, it's always supernaturally, but we will naturally learn to glorify God, to boast in him. And we will be wise people because of that. And so this, on the last night that he gathered his disciples together at a meal, uh, Jesus took bread, and in this case, it's unleavened and gluten-free matzah. He took it and broke it, saying, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he, he took the cup, and having blessed it, he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you do this in remembrance of me. 
the wisdom of God, the wisdom of God, bringing these men together, teaching them, pouring his life into them over three years, and then saying, but I will be with you always. The wisdom of God will always be with you because I will always be with you, and I'm sending the Holy Spirit to be with you. You will be led, carried, supported, informed, and corrected by the wisdom of God through my word, through my spirit, and through my abiding presence. You are covered in wisdom. And by the way, if you're uh, serving communion, would you come up right now uh, as we pray over these elements? When you receive the, uh, the, the, the bread and the cup, uh, you'll simply go to the people closest to you, and, and they will offer you the bread. Take some of that matzah, and you'll hear words like this. This is Christ's body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Or just, this is Christ's body. Or receive this in Jesus' name, something like that. Take that matzah and dip it in, in the unfermented grape juice. Uh, and you might hear something like this. This is Christ's blood shed for you. And then go back to your seat and simply worship uh, him as we continue to worship the Lord together. Why do we do this? And by the way, we don't impose this on you if you're not a follower of Jesus. You don't, don't feel like you're supposed to do this. This is for people who said, yeah, I believe in Jesus. I want him in my life. No matter where you are, if you feel like you're a failure at that, it's for you. If you feel like it's going well for you, it's for, it's for anybody who comes in Jesus' name. But it's not imposed on anybody who doesn't believe in Jesus. And then simply sit down and let the, the, the music wash over you. Let the Spirit minister to you. Uh, as we do that. So, Lord Jesus, we thank you for this bread and for this cup, that you are present in it in some way that we don't completely understand. We thank you that your grace is sufficient, your wisdom is enough for everything we need, everything we yearn and aspire for. Banish fear of anything but you from us, Lord. We pray all this in Jesus' holy name. Amen.
Christy Seibel to come up right now. Uh, we are going to pray for them. Uh, and if we all get teary, just roll with it because this is yeah, a very, very sad day and a happy day at the same time uh, for them and their darling uh, kids. So um, how long have you guys been at La Jolla Community Church? About three, four Almost years. Four years, yeah. And what that been like for you? It's been really great. Uh, we moved in across the street um, because we had a really nice uh, older landlady who gave us a really great deal. And we were, you know, I'm, uh, I was finishing, I've been in my residency at UCSD um, in radiation oncology for the last uh, four years. And 
we moved in across the street, and it was a really good commute, and we saw this beautiful church across the street, and we're like, well, we should at least check it out, since it's right there, um, and it's been wonderful. I mean, I think that the, the church families really welcomed us in, and at a really pivotal time in our life, we had one baby at the time, now we have two, toddler and little boy, and, and to be surrounded by people who really care for them and us during this time um, has been a really true blessing, and we're, we're very appreciative. So where are you going and what are you going to do? Um, so uh, we are going to Anchorage, Alaska um, for a new job uh, for myself. And I have a very supportive wife who, who loves me enough to give it a go because it's a really cool job um, taking care of a lot of really amazing people from different uh, walks of life who um, could really use uh, supposedly the skills that God's um, blessed me with over the last few years. And um, the group is really cool, and, and you know, we found a, a place to live, and, um, you know, I've been dragging Chrissy around since I was 17 on this wild journey that's lasted forever, um, and that, that's our next stop, and it was just, I mean, God just kind of opened those doors and closed other ones, and um, we've really been learning a lot about what it is to kind of trust and follow his will for our life in this time. So, Chris, do you want to add anything? What would you recommend to anybody who's new and, and to do what you did? What, would, what did you do that you'd want them to do in terms of jumping in, getting involved? Here? Yeah. Um, I mean, I think just saying hi yeah. <laughs> is, a, is a huge thing. I mean, like, the walk back to the children's ministry, I don't know if you guys have ever seen Rory, but he, like, sprints all the way there because yeah. it's such a great place to be. Um, but I think just stopping to say hi, whether it's with coffee or anything else, is huge. The wisdom that's here in this church is amazing. Um, and so I just think, yeah, just being that awkward person that's like, hi, my name is Chrissy. How are you doing? Um, is a tremendous blessing to anybody that's here. Want to add anything? Well, so you're going to be going up as a radiological oncologist uh, you're going to be going up as the, the adult supervisor of the radiological <laughs> oncologist, <clears throat> bringing your kids up into that new community. So all these people are going to be so excited to receive that part of you. Oh my gosh, we had this genius doctor from this world-renowned program. What they don't understand, but we all know, it's our little secret, and soon they will know up in Anchorage, you're bringing Jesus with you. Because you bring Jesus wherever you go. I know that from being with you. So, we're going to pray for them because we're happy. <laughs> we're very happy for them, but, but we're sad for us, but we're happy because God's been preparing you uh, through godly people and friends, and I see some of your friends back there, and they got tears in their eyes, and, and, and yet we're happy for you because you've been so prayerful and careful in pursuing God's will in your life in this whole process. <clears throat> and so, uh, we look forward to you being, uh, in a sense, medical missionaries, <laughs> highly paid medical missionaries. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and busy parents, and you're going to bless so many people. If they get to know you and think, I had no idea that this was a gift God was giving us in you. And we pray that other people uh, would be following you here, and, and, and then likewise following wherever God leads them from here in that same way. So, Lord Jesus, uh, we pray for Dan and Christy. We thank you for all the experiences many of us have enjoyed with them, life groups and Wild at Heart, women's events, casual conversations and dinners, just any number of ways that you have Bless them through this body, and, and in turn, you have so blessed this body with their presence. And so now, Lord, we pray uh, that you, having prepared them, that um, as they go through a, a little bit of grief and loss, leaving, but a, a lot of joy and going to where you've called them, that they would be 
uh, your hands and your feet, you'd be reflecting your, they'd be reflecting your glory up in Anchorage and around there, and that you'd give them new, dear friends, a powerful experience of community, and most of all, Lord, a deep awareness of your abiding presence, doing a work in them and through them, that they would truly see themselves as pastors, not only to their children, uh, those beautiful kids you've entrusted to them, but to everybody that they encounter up there. And may we hear those stories, as we, and as we pray for them, uh, we anticipate those stories. And Lord, uh, we pray for others who are here, maybe hearing their story today, uh, to, to encourage everybody in this church to get closer together, closer to you, closer to one another, so that we can be a community that not only nurtures one another, but welcomes uh, new people to be nurtured and sends them off to serve you wherever you call. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for being you. So would you all please stand for the benediction. So now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon us all.